Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Uh, well, welcome to week two uh, of Misquoted, where we're talking about either things that people misquote from Scripture or things that people just kind of assume are in the Bible, but they're really not. And today we're going to talk about one that I believe is probably the most popular misbelief that we have in kind of our Western version of Christianity. And it's the concept of that God just wants us to be happy. Like above all else, God just wants us to be happy, wants something bad to happen in our lives, and just wants us to be happy just in general. And so you guys can follow along today. Message notes are at lexcity.info. You can take your own notes there. Email it to yourself if you would like. In fact, I could even quote scripture and try and convince you that this statement, that God wants you to be happy, is true. Psalm 97.12 says, May all who are godly be happy. And when I hear that verse, it makes me think of a really great song. Sing along right now and dance along if you know it. I love the social experiment. Some people are just like, it's their element, their dance. Others are like, this is, I would never do that. I'm not moving, don't make me move right now. But it makes me think of that song. It makes me smile, makes me want to clap and dance. But this is one of the big cultural mistakes and what people believe about God is if, if you believe above all else that God just wants you to be happy, it can start down this road to other misbeliefs. And let me show you what I've read before and it's called the theology of happiness. If you believe that God's supreme goal for you, your spouse, your kids, your friends is for you to be happy, then here's eventually what you'll start to do. Number one is this. Whatever makes me happy must be right. Whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. So to kind of go, keep going with the song element here, Cheryl Crow wrote an incredible catchy song, but it's terrible theology. Sing this one as well if you know this one. Don't keep singing because you guys know what the next line is, and we can't say that in church, all right? Great song. Everyone over the age of 35 knew what I was talking about right there. So, but if we believe that God wants us to be happy above all else, then number one, whatever makes me happy must be right, and whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. It's a simple formula, right, if we believe that. Number two, theology of happiness is this. Discomfort, delay, risk, suffering, inconveniences and obstacles can't be God's will. In other words, if something isn't going right, then this must not be God working in my life. Number three, without knowing it, I begin to worship the false gods of comfort, money, pleasure, and things. Here's the problem. When we believe that above all else, God wants us just to be happy, suddenly we are forced to believe that God actually exists to serve us. But hear this, and don't miss this. God does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. If God is really there just to make us happy, suddenly we reduce the great creator and sustainer of the universe down to what I've heard been called a cosmic Coke machine. What does that mean? You go to a vending machine, you put your money in, you press the button to get a Coke, 
a regular Coke, not a Coke Zero, not a Diet Coke, the best Coke you can get, a regular Coke, right? And contractually, you believe if you press the button, put the money in, that you should get exactly what you have asked for, right? And literally, without knowing that this is what we do sometimes, we reduce God to some kind of formula. God, I said my prayers, I went to church, I tried to do good things, I tried not to do bad things, I gave a little money to the church, I even dodged my neighbor's cat with my car when it ran in front of me. God, this person posted the dumbest thing ever on social media, and God, I showed restraint, I didn't even comment on it. God, I'm doing all of these good things, so God, therefore, all my headaches should go away. I should get the girl of my dreams, I should get the promotion at work, I should get the dream house because I put the money in and I pressed the button. Therefore, God, you should do what I want you to do. Do you see how sometimes on the altar of happiness, we treat our relationship with God like it's a transaction? Like we're just pressing the button and we're like, God, give me exactly what I'm asking for? Here's the tragedy with this belief. So many people end up walking away from God for completely wrong reasons because of wrong beliefs. They'll say things like, I tried church, it just didn't make me any happier. I tried religion, it didn't work. I tried the God thing, I even went to a life group, I read the Bible for a while, but God, I still got cancer. My kids are still rebellious. I'm still not better off financially, I tried it and it didn't work. If you believe that God exists to make you happy, and then you're not happy, it forces you to believe that maybe God failed. But God didn't fail. We started with the wrong presupposition, which led us into a very dangerous place. And I'll tell you this, after I've kind of started with this whole super depressing, like God doesn't want you happy message, all right? I do believe that God takes delight in your happiness. When you are happy, I believe it brings him joy. Just as any parent is delighted when they see their kids experiencing happiness or joy. For example, when my kids play sports and they do well, they're happy and I'm happy, there's a lot of joy there. My daughter had her first gymnastics competition of the season yesterday, and in her division, she got first place in three of the four events and finished first all around. She was happy, I was joyful, it was a great time, right? When my middle son Austin plays volleyball and he's amazing at volleyball and he's gotten so much better and he's on his great team and when I watch him play well, it brings me joy. My oldest son Caleb plays basketball and when he's doing well in basketball and he's grown so much and done a great job in basketball, it brings me joy. But for example, if my son Caleb hits a winning three-point shot in his varsity basketball game but then he goes to the opposing team and he flips them off, his happiness is no longer my highest priority. He didn't do that, everyone. This was an example, okay? <laughs> Don't find Caleb and be like, bro, what the heck? Yet many of us retreat God like this. Hey, you should be happy for me no matter what. And then we flip everybody off. That's why I'm going to argue that God does not want us to pursue happiness. He wants us to pursue him. And we don't pursue him for the byproduct of happiness. We're not pursuing him so then therefore he will give us something that we want. We're pursuing him for who he is and that alone. 
So today I want to dispel one of the biggest and most dangerous cultural myths about God. I want to show us two specific reasons that God doesn't want us just to be happy. Number one, God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. God doesn't want us happy when it causes you to do something stupid or sinful or wrong or unwise. I think back to when I was a kid and to when I was in high school. I made a lot of wrong choices. I did a lot of unwise things. My parents are actually in the crowd today from Nebraska. They can attest to it. I can think of one particular story. I had a Jeep in high school. And I used to love to go off-roading. And one time, I decided this would be fun. This would make me happy. And so I made a really unwise decision. And I decided, because I'm in Nebraska, what do you do? You, you tip over cows and you go to cornfields, right? That's what you do. Not really, but that's what people think. And so I drove my Jeep into a cornfield. I was knocking over corn stalks. Two bad things happened that night. One, I lost my license plate in that cornfield. It's probably still there today. And secondly... I hurt my vehicle so much so that there was transmission fluid going all the way through our neighborhood, all the way into my driveway. On the altar of happiness, we can make a lot of wrong decisions. Here's the fundamental problem so many people believe. Scripture says this, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. But many of us, we translate it in real life to say this, but just as he who called you is happy, so be happy in all you do. That's not what it says, but practically, that's how many of us want to live. God called us to be holy. What does holy mean? It means to be set apart. Set apart from what? Set apart from the world. When we believe happiness is the goal, we end up doing things that are wrong or unwise in our pursuit of happiness. I talk to a lot of people every week, and some people will tell me, I just wasn't happy in my job, so I just went in there and I just quit. And my first question is, do you have another job lined up? Well, no, but I wasn't happy, so I just quit. Well, how are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to take care of your family? Sometimes we make unwise decisions because we're not happy. Sometimes what we do is we're not happy, so then what do we do? We eat our feelings, right? I'm really great at eating a lot of ice cream and chips at night. Maybe you're not happy, so you sleep with a bunch of different people and you're a bunch of different relationships. And maybe you're with someone right now that you know you shouldn't be with. Or maybe because you're not happy, you have, or you're trying to find happiness, you have this I deserve it mentality when it comes to your finances. And so you just make one ill-advised purchase after the next. That's number one. Number two, God doesn't want you happy when it's only based on things of this world. If you watch uh, commercials on TV or you see ads in your social media feed, I don't know what your algorithm is, like what ads come on to your social media. But mine are things like, I don't even own one, but the Stanley Cup. How many of you guys have the Stanley Cup? I'm not talking about the hockey trophy. I'm talking about the drink. Right? A lot of you guys. For me, apparently, I'm supposed to buy some Fabletic shorts. That's always in my feed all of the time. I need a new set of golf clubs. That's, that should be real. I, I don't know why, but it came in my feed last week, and it was some sort of mat that you lay on the ground, then you lay on it, and it, like, shakes the fat off of you. Have you guys seen this? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like a fat mat shaker. I don't know. But anyway. And then ironically, in my feed this week also was hair growth supplements. Some of you guys, maybe in your feed is, you know, you put clothes on your dog. I don't know what you're into. 
And everyone has to get the V-shred guy, right? The guy that comes in and feeds and says, you can eat all the carbs you want and still get ripped. So I don't know what your algorithm is, but, but the world is telling us you need all of these things to be happy. This is the formula. Better possessions plus peaceful circumstances plus thrilling experiences plus the right relationships plus the perfect appearance, appearance equals happiness. The problem is all these things are based on happenings and happenings change. That's why no one is happy all the time in the things of this world because they are simply counterfeits. They are not the real thing. Give you guys a little behind the scenes in the church world. Every Thursday, the worship art staff and myself and Brian and a few others, we get together and we sit actually right here in the front row and we go through the slides for the service, we go through sermon content, we go through the worship set, we look at everything and make sure it's all ready for Sunday. And sometimes, and this was one of those weeks, I will ask the staff, like, hey, I need some examples about this or that for my sermon. And so this week I said, hey, I need a story of a counterfeit experience when you thought you were buying something but you actually got something else. And nobody was really giving me any stories. I'm like, well, I tried, it's okay. And then and, and I was about to go on to the next thing and then Michaela goes, well, I guess... Uh, you need a story. I guess I have one. It's kind of embarrassing. I was like, no, tell me what it is. I promise I will or won't use it. And so she tells me a story about how she was on an Instagram ad, and she saw an ad which she thought was for Dick's Sporting Goods, and she thought it was for Converse tennis shoes for only $20. And she was like, this is an amazing deal. She's like, I bought multiple pairs of them. And then a few weeks later, not only did Converse not show up to her house, not even fake Converse showed up to her house, not even shoes. She got three fake Tory Burch bags instead. So sometimes we, we will think something is real and then it's really just a counterfeit because it's things of the world. It's exactly what the world does. If you get this, if you buy this, if you have this, if you trade this in, then you will be happy. That you're still not happy because God does not want you to be happy when it's only based on things of this world. In fact, I love what John says because it's really pointed, it's really direct. In 1 John chapter 2, it says this. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Above all else, God's highest calling for you is not your happiness. God does not want you happy as much as he wants you blessed. God is something far better than your happiness. He wants you blessed. Happiness is based on happenings. Blessed life is based on his goodness and his presence in your life. In fact, the Greek word that tra translated as the, as the word blessed is the word makarios. It means supremely blessed. Or it can literally be translated as more than happy. God actually wants you more than happy. The problem is if I tell you God wants you blessed, most people think that means more money, perfect health, and so on. But that's not what the blessed life is. When God wants you blessed, it doesn't mean you won't have bad days. It doesn't mean your kids won't fight with each other. It doesn't mean your car won't break down. It doesn't mean you won't get a big zit on your face right before prom or right before a big job interview. Those things happen, that's just life. What it means is you will experience the goodness of God in the middle of some of the difficult parts 
of your life. Your happiness and the blessings are not based on the perfect pain-free life. God never promised that. Jesus, in fact, he says this, in this world you will have trouble. You wanna see a promise, that's a promise. But he also says, but take heart, I have overcome this world. The problem is we're looking for this pain-free, perfect life, and then when we don't have it, we start to blame God when the reality is that God wants to be active in the pain in your life. Because the reality is we live in a sinful and broken world. And just because you're blessed doesn't mean you're not going to have trials or feel weak or have storms in your life, but in the middle of the storm, you could have a blessing. And what is the blessing? The supernatural peace of God beyond your human ability to comprehend or even understand. And that peace will guard your heart and your mind and your soul in Christ Jesus, what God's word says. So today, you might be in the middle of a storm right now, and you would never choose what you're going through. And maybe you feel like you don't have what it takes to go on, but for some reason, in the presence of God, you can have unspeakable joy. In that moment of peace, you can suddenly realize, I trust God, even in the middle of the storm, that's what the Bible calls it, the joy that wells up from deep inside. And people around you are like, how do you have that? And all you can say is it only comes from God. And those that are mature in Christ recognize that you can rejoice in your suffering because you know that you're developing perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you can be mature and complete in Christ, lacking nothing. And some of you, you've been through enough trials that you can recognize, I'd never choose them again, but I am who I am today because God has been forming me more to his image through those trials. And when I walked through this, I knew him more intimately, I walked with him more faithfully, and I experienced the goodness of God in a way that I never could have if I never had bad days. That's the blessings of God. In fact, Psalms 37, 4, David says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I love that word delight. It comes from a Hebrew word, anag. Hebrew words, they tell a story. There's depth, there's texture to them. This word, it means to delight. It means to enjoy. It carries with it the idea of being made soft and pliable. In other words, as we seek God, as we enjoy God, Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and then everything will be added unto you. So as we pursue God, as he is the object of our affection, and then everything will be added unto us. We're not pursuing happiness. We're pursuing God. Suddenly we are enjoying his presence. We're delighting in him. Then he gives us the desires of our hearts. He gives us his desires. Our desires become his desires. Then we pray according to his will. He gives us what we pray for because we are praying specifically for his will. Suddenly I'm enjoying God. I'm soft, I'm pliable, and being conformed to the image of God. He is giving me his desires. Now I'm praying not my will, but I'm praying his will be done. And suddenly I'm living a blessed life. Not a perfect life. Not a pain-free life. But something that's actually better than happiness. It's more than happiness. It's joy unspeakable. It's peace it's supernatural strength when I'm weak. As we close, I'll explain it this way. Max Lucado, a great theologian, great author, 
told this story one time, and he said something to this effect. He said, if you took a fish out of water and you put him on the beach, will the fish be happy, yes or no? It's not rhetorical, yes or no? No, right? Because he was made for the ocean, he wasn't made for the beach. If you took that same fish and you gave that fish a big wad of cash, $100,000, and gave it to him, would that fish be happy, yes or no? No, because what's a fish gonna do with money? If you took that same fish and you gave him a lounge chair on the beach and you gave him an ice cold Coke and a great book to read, would he be happy, yes or no? Some of you are like, man, that sounds really good though. He might be a little bit happy. But the reality is, the fish was not created for the sand. The fish was created for the ocean. Case in point, if you have everything this world has to offer, will you ultimately and lastingly be happy? The answer is no, because you're not created for this earth. You see, you're created for heaven, you're created for eternity. The earth is a blip, you are here for a little while and then you're gone. You're created to glorify the God of the universe because he's not here to serve us, we exist to serve him. Therefore, we should actually lower our expectations of earth. Because no new car, no new house, no new person is going to satisfy the cravings of your heart. Because inside your heart, we all have a Christ-shaped void. Some of you know it because you've tried everything under the sun. You've partied your brains out. You've went from relationship to relationship. You decided that you need a new job and need to relocate. And you're starting over all the time because you're pursuing happiness. Because you're not created to be satisfied for this world. It's all a counterfeit. There's something so much more. And that is a life solely submitted to God. I started off by saying that God just wants you happy. We even part, quoted part of a scripture to kind of support that. I want to give you the rest of the verse. Psalms 97, 12 says this. May all who are godly be happy. That's where we stopped. But how it finishes is, may all who are godly be happy in the Lord and praise his holy name. Happiness is never going to be found in happenings of this earth. Happiness is only found in the Lord. It's deeper than happiness. It's blessings. It's joy unspeakable. It's peace. It's his power. It's his presence. It's an eternal calling. Therefore, lower your expectations of earth you're not created for it, you're created for heaven. And above all else, God doesn't want you happy because remember, when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise, God doesn't want you happy when it's only based on things of this world. God wants something far better for you. God wants you blessed. God wants you more than happy, tapping into his goodness. That no matter what and in everything, God is working together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So as we close right now, just bow your heads, close your eyes, nobody looking around. I do this every week because if you're like me, your week is crazy and it's busy and you don't have a lot of time to just kind of sit still in the presence of God and just have a moment with you and God. Maybe you're here right now or you're watching online and you would say, you know what, like, I'm chasing happiness at the end of the day, I still feel empty. I still feel a void. I still feel hopeless. I'm still trying to find my identity in all the wrong things and the things of the world. 
I'm gonna tell you because it's, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. There's an amazing verse in the Bible. It's Romans 5.8. It says this, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means that God knows all the sin, all the junk in my life and in yours as well. And in spite of all of that, he says, I love you with an unconditional love. And I take it one step further. Not only do I love you, I want a relationship with you through my son, Jesus. So if you're here today and you say, Zach, that's me. I'm tired of living for myself. I want a relationship with Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you would say, Zach, that's me. I want to ask Christ to come in my life today. Just lift up your hand right now. Just lift it up. Just be bold. Awesome. I see your hand. Anybody else that would say, that's me? I see your hand. Very cool. I see your hand over there as well. Awesome. Anybody else that would say, that's me? I see your hand. Awesome. You guys can put your hands down. I'm going to say a prayer right now, and it's just a prayer. Just You can say something like it in your own heart, just the quietness of your own heart, just you talking to God. Just say something like this. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. And God, I know that my sin separates me from you. But today, God, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to save me. I ask you to change me. I believe in your son, Jesus, and that he died on the cross for my sins and that he beat death and rose again. I'm tired of living for myself. I want to start living for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just celebrate with those that made that decision today? That's awesome. Several last hours, several this hour. I want to encourage you, if that was you today, whether you raised your hand or not, if you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you, take a next step. If you're here in person, there's a seat or a card in your seat back that says, Life is complicated. We know a guy. His name is Jesus. Fill that out. You can take that card to the Welcome Center after the service and just trade that in for a free gift. It's this book that we made for you. It's called The Decision. It's got um, some next steps you can take. It's got the book of John you can read in here. It's a great resource. I encourage you guys to do that. If you're watching online and you made that decision, please go to lexity.info. Click on I Prayed, and we'll see more information about that as well. So TJ, I'm going to ask you to come up and close this out. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.